Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and how are you today? Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Live. We are so excited to have you all here. We're having a wonderful show today. We're having Marcy Lopez of NJC, where her organization actually places low-income students into private schools. We'll go more into that shortly, but right now I'm going to bring on Mr. J. Logan. Mr. Logan, how are you this morning? I am doing wonderful this morning, Gail. As you know, I'm in San Francisco, and those giants are doing great, and um, I'm happy. And um, we're going to have a wonderful <laughs> We're going to have a wonderful show, and I just, you know, I just like to say that uh, everything is doing great. It's sunny out here, and um, let's get on with it. Yeah, let's get on with it. I am sorry to say I said morning. It is actually afternoon, so good afternoon, everyone. And we are really excited today because there's some topics today. Yes, we're going into education. We're also going into entrepreneurship as well. And we're going to talk about some past things that really relate to what we're talking about today. So, Jay, why don't you introduce our, our audience today to, you know, a particular article that we were just talking about? Yes, I definitely will. Um, uh, we want to talk about the, using the number line and also using either traditional math methods as a long division or vertical vertical multiplication, you know, as I grew up, that's what I learned, the old way of doing things, and it's been done for thousands of years. And then we're going to say, we're going to talk about today how that versus the new models of, of solving math equations and problems. Should we get rid of the old method and, uh, and, um, and just use the new method, or should we keep both methods? And that's what we're going to talk about today, Gail. And I'm, I am, I'm in to keeping both methods because it's just a lot easier for kids and high school uh, students to understand things, uh, particularly the number line. The number line has been used for years, and a lot of American schools are now not using the number line, and they're using these different models. Uh, uh, one of the models that they use is called charged particle model. And it's not, these, these, these models are good, and they're fun, but they're confusing, and they're not efficient enough for these kids to learn. When you can just look at this this number line, and you can kind of see everything on there at once. You know, the number lines have been used for measurements, temperature, money, time, quantities. I mean, it's just so easy, and it's easy to draw. So, Gail, I would like to ask you, what do you think about this, this new math versus the old way of doing things, traditional math? You know, um, it's funny because I think that the new math, is, you know, any any way that you can teach children, you have to use methods that work for kids, period. You, you have to use methods that are going to um, work for kids. And I think that today the methods are not working for the kids. They are not, um, they're not, you know, seeing or getting it. And a lot of, the, a lot of these kids, they don't even care, you know, quite frankly. A lot of these kids don't even care. So, you know, what I would actually, you know, go on to share is that, yeah, these kids don't care. Uh, they're, you know, 
unfortunately, the support behind it is not there. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to find ways in which to get these kids to learn. And, you know, a lot of the old math is more simplistic, and it actually has kids expand on expand their minds in varying areas. You know, on, the, on my Facebook account uh, this week, I had a conversation, it was really interesting, about e-books and interactive, okay? And I was... And I was stating how technology is great, but at the same time, going back like to the original math, going back to the original ways of traditional teaching, like what we're talking about, the number line here, with technology uh-huh. integrated is the best way to do things. And I had people who were like, well, you know, kids are lazy. I said, you know, kids are looking at Google for answers, and some parents thought, well, they're already lazy. Well, we created the laziness. So when they're looking at computers and everything else that can do it for them and they spend all day on that, then what ends up happening when you give them something like a number line to actually use their brains to use it, many can't even do it. Right. Many many cannot even do it. They don't even know what the number line is. Some of them, Jay, don't even know how to subtract and add. That's true. That's, this is, I'm talking about college students. Right. <laughs> That's terrible. I hate to say it, but there are some students that are coming out that really don't even know how to do that. And I agree with you with that. And I was like saying my daughter came home with this model called a balloon model. And I was like, I've never heard of this before. So it, it, it provides a challenge for kids when they bring home homework and the parents don't know the new map, the parents can't help as much because now they've got to learn a whole new way of doing things. Um, I don't know what the balloon method is, <laughs> but it's like it's called the balloon model, and I guess it's a way you have uh, this balloon move up and down to kind of show you, um, to illustrate, you know, minus 3 plus 4 equals 1 or whatever. But if you don't know these new methods for parents, it's a challenge trying to teach, help your kids with homework. Because now they're giving you a whole new set of options that you have. I haven't learned. So I have to go back and learn this old, this, this new math. I have to go back and learn this new math, and then try to help my kids learn it. So it's like I'm going to school with her, and so I kind of, you know, wish that they would keep some of the traditional ways of doing things, just for parents' sake. So you know, because we got busy days, we go to work, we have to drive home, now we got to come home and do homework, and we don't want to learn it all over again just to, you know, help our children. You know, so that, that's uh, that's coming from a parent opinion. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I think that our next guest that's coming on can actually share in a little bit about this. Her name is Marcy oh. Lopez from NJ Seeds, and Jay, I'm really excited to have Marcy on. You know, Marcy is someone that I take a class with, and she was talking about her commitment to children and school the other day, and I was just really taken back. I was inspired. I was like, wow, this is one woman who really takes it on. And she not only takes it on, she works in that area, you know. So I thought without, you know, further ado, we should bring her on. What do you think? I think so. She probably can answer a lot of uh, questions. Yes. So without further ado, we'd like our audience to welcome Marty Lopez, thank you for joining us. How are you today? Thank you for having us, Gail. Um, for having me, Gail, and I'm doing quite fine and really happy to be on with you. All right, and uh, Marcy, I'd love for you to meet Jay Logan. Jay is based in San Francisco. Marcy, uh, this is Jay Logan. Jay Logan, this is Marcy. Hi, Jay. Hello. 
Hello. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing really great, um, and I love the opportunity to share just about, you know, my work with the youth and specifically with New Jersey Seeds um, and what we do and how we do it and, you know, j- enjoying this conversation about uh, youth and education. Well, Marcy, you know, we want to thank you for being on the show today, and, you know, we would love for you to let our audience know what exactly you do. Okay. Um, so New Jersey Seeds is a, a privately funded nonprofit in New Jersey. Our office is based in Newark, New Jersey. And what we do, um, what we like to say we do is we change lives through education. We have three programs um, within our organization that um, the premise is to place them at uh, private schools across the country um, with um financial assistance from the schools, um, and not only just place them at these schools, but also to have them succeed academically and socially once they um, reach these schools. So we're really excited about that opportunity. We work with um, particularly low-income families who students are, you know, A students um, at their schools, and they deserve an opportunity as anyone else. And we believe that just because you can't afford it doesn't mean you shouldn't deserve it. Um, And so that's what we're working with our families to do. Wow. You know, Marcy, one of the things that we would also like to ask you, what are students facing today in the urban environment in their local schools versus what is available to them in private schools? Um, You know, it's really interesting. We're actually right now in our application season, Um, so students um, are open to apply to our programs, and so we're going into the schools and we're talking to them about the opportunities. Um, And, you know, we just noticed that, you know, any education is definitely a great education, but the students, they thrive for more. They want more. They want to be challenged. Um, And what we are doing and working with those students who want more opportunities for themselves both in the academic classroom and outside the classroom, um, you know, we're working with schools that are able to provide that. Some of our students, once they're placed at their independent school, you know, they're able to do study abroad, and they're studying for a year in France during high school. Um, You know, to some of our students before knowing New Jersey Seas, they didn't even know that that was possible for them. Um, And so in working with the students and having them go through our program, we're not only academically preparing them so that they can um, succeed in the classroom with their peers at these independent schools, who majority um, have been in independent school setting for most of their lives, um, you know, and they're able to transition from a public school setting to an independent school setting. But, you know, we're also seeing them as leaders on their campus um, and across the world, which is a pretty cool thing uh, to see. Wow, that's just one. I want to ask you, Marcy, what can we do, Marcy, to improve our public schools to have them competitive with private and charter schools? You know, that's a really interesting question, and I know that there's definitely um, a lot of initiatives within the classrooms um, and within schools. I mean, we are here based in Newark, and there's definitely um, a strong focus on education um, within Newark. And From my own personal experience, um, I have the privilege um, in my position to work directly with the students within our scholars program, which are uh, 7th and 8th graders, and our young scholars, um, which are 5th and 6th graders. And, And working directly with them, you know, they just 
want to know that there's someone there to, that believes in them um, and mm-hmm. that is challenging them and is really, you know, listening to them. I think that's a big um, thing that may not have been happening. And it's actually one of the reasons why I shift my career. My background is actually in public health advocacy um, and policy, so I worked around a lot of health issues um, and doing advocacy work and realizing that youth do not have the voice that I believe they should have in this world. And I think, you know, one of the options we can do to figure out how to how can we better our public schools is why don't we ask the students themselves, what is it that they want to see? Um, what is it that they want in the classroom? Because they do want it. Um, there's, you know, a conversation that students, um, you know, don't want to go to school. Um, and there are studies out there that show that, you know, they do if it's interesting and engaging and fun. And we can make education interesting and engaging and fun. Learning is fun. Um, and I think that's something that we definitely can make a priority within our education system um, versus it having to be, um, you know, just about a certain structure, certain um, protocols or policies that have to be met, which are definitely all, um, you know, valid uh, things that we need to do, but let's listen to the kids themselves. Well, Mark, um, you have a teacher in schools. We see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can I just slip a question in here? I'm sorry. I was just trying to ask Mark a good question. Okay. You know, when you just said this, asking the students, Jay and I are always talking about that, asking the students what they want to see in the schools, right, Jay? So right. I, just, I just wanted to ask you this. I have been having this conversation all week on Facebook about, you know, um, e-books and interactive, you know, technology, which I believe mm-hmm. is important in the school and important in the school as an additive, okay? And if you heard what Jay and I were talking about with the article that Jay has been reading and I have been about the number line, you know, the basics, I noticed mm-hmm. that I have nieces and they have they're they're in music camp, they're in they're they're in you know, martial arts, soccer, and they're they excel amazingly and the gifted programs and all that because they're taught to use their mind first and then technology is an assistant, okay? Mm-hmm. I have to ask you, when we ask the kids what they want, you know, what they would like to see, many parents with their kids stay in, it, stay in just technology, which, as we know, mirrors the brain. I have a question for you. In saying what you're saying, when we ask the kids what they want, what if all they want is to see technology because that's what they're steeped in all day long? And which has caused them also to to cheat to look for answers on Google and other places rather than their textbook. What do we do in those cases? Um, so it's a really great question, and you know I can only speak from my own experience in working with C's and working directly with the students. We work with um, 300 students annually within our program, um, yes. and then. Um, you know, 500 within our guidance department that are in place in the schools. So, you know, it is a significant number, but it's not all youth. Um, But what I would say is that, yes, there are those students that are interested in technology and learning more about it, and especially, you know, the way that it's moving now um, with apps and social media. There is an interest. However, in my experience in working with the students, there's interest for other things as well. 
So it seems of a big focus um, and it's an attention for students, but they also want to know um, other things as well. You know, I have students, they come in the summer after seventh grade already saying, you know, I want to learn more about law. I want to learn more about medicine. I want to learn about business and entrepreneurship. And so they have these conversations and they know that, Technology, um, you know, is definitely a part of it, and there are students that are enthralled in just technology. But I won't, I wouldn't say that all students are. Um, and it's a, a thing within our even our own program that we work with them. You know, when we have our programs with them, we introduce them to different fields and different areas. So this past summer, you know, there was um, an elective that we provided for our students that was around blogging. So having them understand, you know, what oh, wow. is a professional blog is and like how to create it and how you know and how to you know write in a way that you capture an audience. So we provide that with them as well, as well as the classes in math and English, um, which are, you know, the basic needs that all our um, children need um, in or, you know, to survive and to really, you know, be competent um, and successful individuals in the world. Oh, I think that answered a lot of my question. What about you, Jay? Do you have some thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Marcy, regarding our public school system, in your, uh-huh. opinion, are te- are, are, in your opinion, are teachers in schools receiving enough support from the parents? You know, um, I just spoke earlier this week with a colleague, and I, you know, it was in an email, and I signed off, like, it truly does take a village. Um, and I believe that, you know, there there is a component. You know, there are teachers in the classroom that are doing the best that they know how, um, but don't have, you know, the control of what happens, you know, at 3 p.m. when the bell rings. Um, And, you know, there are parents that are doing the best that they know how, um, but then they also have um, no control of what happens within the classroom. And so for me, it's definitely about communication um, between the two and between all avenues. I know that that is a big um, component with us within the program, you know, um, the Scholars and Young Scholars program, which I oversee, are both 14-month-long programs. So, you know, it's a commitment, and you're with us, you know, basically 24-7 within those 14 months in a communication about your child's future and your child's education. And, you know, as long as we keep in communication with each other and we understand what your concerns and needs are and then, um, you know, us as a program can support them, I believe that, you know, within the school system, you know, there are definitely teachers that are doing their best. And at times, you know, especially it depends on, you know, where that school is located and the circumstances of each family, you know. There's definitely, um, you know, a conversation where we have a mom, a single mom, working two jobs to support her family. So, it, you know, when the, the teacher is saying, well, I haven't met mom and, you know, she hasn't communicated, but... Is it because mom is just absent from the child's life or is mom trying her best to raise, you know, her children as, you know, in a single household? So I think there's it's more complex than just, well, you know, are the parents not um, supporting, but it's a two-way communication. And, again, it takes a village. So it's not just on the onus of the parent or the the teacher. You know, there's the community itself involved. It's the student even within our own program, you know, we tell our students, you have to want this. 
you know, mom, dad, grandma, aunt, it can't be that they want this for you. You have to want this for yourself because that's the only way you're going to succeed. Well, Jay, I know you have another question. So I'm, I know you do, so I'm going I'm to let you okay. jump in since you let me jump in. I wanted to ask Marcy. I have a, um, I wanted to even share this with you because you know, doing we were talking about technology earlier, and this is this is get, this is not getting off the beaten track here. Um, I have computers and things I can I can do with my kid, and we have a thing at her school called School Loop, where you can you know you can kind of find out what your kid is doing. You can look at her homework, you can look at her grades, you can look at her progress. What what do parents do? When they don't have this technology at home, and given that it's really everything's based on technology now, and the, and the teachers have so many kids in their class, when a parent doesn't have that resource, what can a parent do? Um, you know, that's a really that's a that's a great question to ask, and it's actually something even within our own organization that we work with. Like, as for example, this year our application is completely online, so all a student has to come to our website. Um, and, you know, apply directly. And, you know, it was a conversation of, well, what if they don't have a computer at home? Well, one of the things that we want to uh, work with our families and support our families is, is in utilizing your resources. So we understand that, you know, the world is moving in this way of technology, and it's also in preparation because, once they're placed at these independent schools, you know, that's their mode of communication across the board. So, um, you know, we tell our families, well, you have a family uh, member that you can borrow it. There's a public library. Um, utilize your resources and do not become afraid of it or do not become this unknown. I think that's something else that's, you know, within our culture, our, you know, the children now are raised in this. They didn't know a world pre, you know, internet. Um, and, you know, our parents did. And so, you know, it's one of those conversations that, you know, we even within um, New Jersey Seeds have a parent program. So we support our parents as well because we know that they need support and they need the resources um, in order to, you know, support their own children. So, you know, there's definitely resources out there and that's, from our perspective or my perspective is the encouragement of that, you know, where can you find that support? And if they, you know, reached out and they're stuck somewhere, we say, you know, give us a call back and let us know. Um, and then at the end of the day, I think in any communication with um, schools, if, you know, it is technology-based, I would say, you know, call the school directly and have a conversation or walk into the school and say, you know, I need your support. Because, again, it goes back to the it takes a village. And so, you know, from our perspective, you know, we're here to to help our families, but, you know, we need them to let us know what they need help in. Um, because if you're silent, then we don't know how or, you know, you need us to help you. So for the parents out there, I would just say, you know, communicate it, you know, and it's not, and it's actually something we work with our students as well. There's this uh, stigma around for asking for help and that that's seen as a weakness, especially if you talk about students in our program who are, you know, 
A students and they're used to just getting it and knowing it. So the moment where they don't know, that becomes scary for them and they say, well, I can't let someone know that. And we say no. You know, that actually shows courage. That actually shows that, you know, you have an interest and we want you to ask for help. So, you know, we give that message to our students and I would give the same message to parents. You know, if you need help, just ask. Someone is will be there willing to help. Well, Great, Nancy. Uh-huh. Uh, Jay, thank you, because I think she just covered our next few questions. Because <laughs> 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 so, uh, we were just, you know, one of my questions, well, I don't know if this question still counts. Uh, Marcy, first of all, we want to respect your time. We thank you so much for being with us. Could we have you here just for another 10 minutes, because we have some extra questions that we haven't gotten to that is so important for our audience. Sure, not a problem. Okay. Uh, Marcy, again, please do not laugh, Jay and Marcy, but this is my next question. What are some of the questions, you know, what are some of the specific things parents can do to support teachers, schools, and kids? So what are some of the specific things that parents can do to support teachers and schools? Is that the question? Schools, yeah, teachers, schools, and and kids. What are some of the specific things that you can think of that parents could do? to support the teachers and schools and the kids and programs like yours as well. Yeah, you know, it's there's this one simple and I say pretty easy thing um that actually recently came up in conversation with us here and it's that um at the home, you know, create a space that is dedicated just for academics and study. So, you know, in our homes, we have our dining room table, and that's for us to have, you know, our meals at. We have our living room, and that's where for us to gather, maybe watch TV if you have one. There needs to be a creation within the home that the student knows that that's my space, and that's where I, you know, open my books, I do my homework, I study for my exam, um, and I just learn. Like, that's my space for learning. And it's a really simple thing that's um, seemingly overlooked, but it creates a world of difference. Because once you create that space that the student has that physical space where they can sit down and they can own, then there's this, um, you know, self-assured confidence that comes that, you know, okay, this is where I need to do. And speak to your children as well. Find out what works best for them in learning. Um, I know for me personally growing up, when I did my homework, I needed music um, to listen to. And my parents would come in and they, they didn't understand and they would tell me to turn it off. But it actually helped me. It wasn't a distraction for me. And it, and we've noticed that with, you know, there are multiple students that it depends. Some are, you know, really great with if that space is them on their bed, as long as you see them doing, being productive on their bed, if that's their comfortable and productive space, then allow that space for them. Um, you know, allow them to have the conversation and say, okay, this is what works best for me. Um, or, you know, there are the students that they need, that desk and that chair, and just to be able to sit there um, and know that, that that's where they can go anytime that they need to do any work. Well, how do we how do we reach our students today, whether they're in elementary, middle school, or high high school? Do you, how do we as an organization, or just in general? As adults, as adults. As adults. Okay. Um, you know, I again, it goes back, and again, it goes back to my own personal experience. You know, they 
they do want to have conversations. And, you know, our youth, they're, they're smart, they're intelligent. They, you know, they can solve some of the world problems probably better than some adults can. And it's, it's, a, it's a space of, you know, if adults want to connect with youth, um, you know, just have it be a space, an open space, an honest space, and a space where they are listened to. I think, you know, and it's, it's culture, right? Like an infant comes, you're caring for them. You're telling them what to do. Um, and as you raise the child, you're still, you know, they're dependent on you. you. You're telling them when they need to go to school, when they need to do that, when they need to eat. when, And so they're so used to being told what to do that I don't think there's enough adults stopping and just asking them questions and listening to them um, and, you know, maybe asking them what I should do. As, you know, we I started the conversation um, with just how to change the public education system. It I For me, that's pretty crucial because once a student knows that you listen to them, um, and again, it's not that you have to agree with everything they're said. Obviously, adults have years um, of experience that can provide insight for the youth, but I think at the same token, youth have, um, they have an advantage in not having so many years of experience and having this innocence and this creativity that's like unhindered um, and can pretty share and share some stuff that can really make a difference, um, not only to their own community, but to even to adults. Wow. 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 All I can say is wow. I hope that's a good wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just we're really, you're really giving us insight here. You know, someone who's working in this area can relate on all sides. You know, one of the things is, you know, given that your 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 uh, you deal with placement students into private schools. Do you mm-hmm. see issues in the economic gap of how the students treat each other? Uh, well, so that's that's a, another interesting question because last week um, there was an article in the New York Times that came out that um, spoke to this issue, and you know we've had conversations internally as an organization, and you know just experience with our students, um, and you know with any transition. Um, there is, you know, there is change. There are differences. There are things um, that you haven't experienced before. Uh, And the way we work with our students through that is, especially when they're in the program, is we definitely have a lot of dialogue. We have alumni um, that are currently at these schools come and speak to the students within our program to talk about their own experiences because we feel that um, it should definitely come from, you know, the the source, you know, the information about this is what I dealt with and this is how I dealt with it. Um, and so, yeah, there there is a conversation had, but when we're working with our students, you know, one of the big pushes I definitely – Um, do with my students and, you know, New Jersey Seeds as an organization is you deserve to be there. Um, And so much so that the school invested in you to be there. So they believe in you as well. So go with that and believe in yourself and do what you need to do. And, you know, the students in our program, um, 
we've seen them, they, you know, become leaders on their campuses, whether it's a captain of a sports team or a president of a club. You know, they're traveling the world, and they're coming back. And, yes, some of them have faced those differences. You know, some of them, um, you know, work with the transition better than others. And I personally don't believe there's one sure shot way, like, okay, this is the solution, and no one will experience any problems ever. Um, I think all of us would want that in any um, area that we're working in. But um, I, for us, in when that comes up, it's, again, back to a conversation. Okay, share with us what's going on. Um, you know, share us your experience. And then in those conversations, they can see, oh, I'm not the only one experiencing this or feeling this. Um, you know, some of them are faced um, point blank with their own culture once they go to these schools because they come from communities, you know, where everyone looks the same, is the same, you know, it's it's there's a similarity within that community. And then you go off to a school and now there's differences and people aren't maybe asking you questions about those differences and you don't know how to deal and respond with that. Well, you know, we work with our students and, you know, we have a guidance department that once they're placed at the schools, um, not only visit them once a year, but also um, we have reunions where we have the students come together in different social settings, whether it's a holiday party or um, a Broadway show, and so that they can feel reconnected uh, with students share those experiences with each other and be able to go back onto their campus, you know, rejuvenated and revived and knowing, okay, yes, I belong here just as well as anyone else that's in my class. Hmm. Marcy, do you see the economical gap as if there's one that makes the urban students more determined or does it affect their self-confidence? You know, it's interesting from my experience, again, and I can only speak of, you know, the students we work directly with, is they, you know, they definitely, they got it. There's no question about their confidence and, you know, that they um, belong there and that they're working towards because in the classroom setting, you know, they're doing extremely well um, in the academic setting, so they're showing that. They're doing extremely well in the social setting and the extracurricular um, you know, faculty and staff are, you know, me- not only mentoring and advising our students, but also engaging and press um, with our students. So, you know, I can't speak, you know, for each student, it's a different experience. Um, and so what, where one may feel, oh, I, I got this and, and is able to transition a little bit more quickly or smoothly than another, um, I do know that we provide the support so that if that ever comes up for a student, we're here um, to have that conversation with them and support them through that process. You know, um, Marcy, you know, this is this is the kind of thing that we, like, really love guests like yourself because you're able to come from all different sides because you're dealing with all sides of the equation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're dealing with the traditional schooling, the integration of technology. You're dealing with the cultural side of things. You're dealing with the economic gaps between students and parents and so forth. But this is really a question I have. Do the parents of the urban students and the parents of the students who are already in the private school, do they connect with each other? 
Well, um, at majority of the schools, there are, you know, just as they are in our public schools where, you know, there are parent meetings and committees um, and, you know, volunteer opportunities, there that is there um, at the schools as well. And many of our parents, you know, um, definitely work with those schools and work and create and foster those relationships um, with the other students. So we definitely encourage that um, for our families. Uh, interesting enough, you know, we do have families that, um, you know, English is not their first language. So there is um, a language barrier in that connection. But we still talk to our families that that does not mean that you cannot be an active parent in your child's education and that you do not deserve to be. Um, and so we're, again, supporting our families and helping them, giving them the resources so that they become active and engaged family members within that independent school community as well. Um, so well, we have, I have a question. I have a question there, though. You know, when we uh-huh. talk about in lower-income students being placed in private schools, those mm-hmm. parents that are in those private schools are well off in some cases than, like you said, the single parent who's working two jobs. Mm-hmm. Have there ever been issues or are there issues when parents who come from a lower-income environment who are still educated themselves but just couldn't afford what that higher-income parent can afford, when they try to come together in a PTA setting, are there have there been issues there or and if, and if there have been, does that affect the students? So... Um you know, to my knowledge, there hasn't been any issue that has arisen to such a, you know, public attention. Um, again, I can't speak for the parents themselves and their own experience. We have um, close to 1,700 alumni that have been through our program, so that's a lot more parents that have been participating um, in our work and at these schools. So I'm sure if we've had a conversation, things, you know, may and will come up through, you know, what they may have faced or what they have. Um, and and for me, it's not just um, at an independent school setting. You know, it's a conversation, a larger conversation of just socioeconomic status um, within the world and, you know, wow. what that means and how you define that for yourself, no matter where you go. Um, and so when we speak with our families and work with our families, you know, we have the conversation that this is not about dollar signs. This is about your child's education and future. And that is the priority, and that's where you need to focus your attention. And if, you know, other things come up around that, yes, again, we're here. As I mentioned, we have a parent program, um, and there's a parent committee where they come and they meet, and they and it's a space for them to talk to each other. So now they have, you know, parents from, you know, different backgrounds, from different, um, you know, socioeconomic classes where they're just having a conversation of this is my experience and this is what happened. So they can become a support group for each other in this and in, you know, kind of navigating this independent school world, which is new to them as well. Well, what, we have two last questions for you, Marcy. My question is, Marcy, what do you think personally, just of your personal opinion, what do you think are some of the solutions uh, in, in providing a good education for kids? What do you think? I mean, your pers- not just where you work, but your personal opinion. Um, I, for me, a, you know, with education, it's, it's interesting because I, myself, growing up, I considered myself a nerd, and, you know, I loved education. Um, you know, I was able, my parents, 
were able to provide me with a Catholic school education up until the end of high school, um, and then I had the privilege of attending two Ivy League degree um, universities um, and obtaining degrees from them, which, you know, the big feat from a Puerto Rican from the Bronx. And, <laughs> you know, there was definitely, you know, there was a determination in my part. And I remember when I was younger, there was definitely this, I need to prove something, right? And I remember even my college essay. My first two li- my first two lines was, you know, when I was born, I had two strikes against me. I was a woman and woman of color. So I know that, you know, there are those social concepts that, you know, we've taken on. But I've definitely come to a point where I've gotten that, you know, I don't have to, there's nothing to prove anymore. It just, it is what it is. There's opportunities out there for our students, and they want to know more. I think we, you know, do not need to limit what they're learning and how they're learning it um, and really expand that for, you know, our students. There's a way to learn in the classroom, but there's also education outside the classroom. Um, And, you know, you say that, they're ready. They're sponges. They want to know more. They want to gain all this information. That's why there is such an interest in technology because it's information at your fingertips. So they're, you know, they're grasping this. You know, the new thing is now just Google it. You'll, you know, oh, I don't know, just Google it. So it, they, there's a grasp there for us. And what we need to do is provide us as a space of you know, here's the information for you, not of I know right, you know wrong, and so I'm going to tell you, but just like, hey, look, this is a, this is information. Make it cool. Make it interesting. You know, reach them at their level um, of where they're at and what their interests are, and you'll see that they'll become engaged within the classroom. Well, Marcy, this is my last question for you. I have many more, but this will be my last one. Okay. I want to know... Oh, <laughs> What advice would you offer parents who would like to get their children in good schools, but they're located in low-income areas? Well, I would tell the New Jersey parents to come to www.njc.org and apply <laughs> to our program, definitely, um, to do that. I, um, you know, will also tell parents that, you know, New Jersey Seeds, you know, I, I love this organization. We're a great organization, but there are many educational resources out there. So I would say, you know, go to your local library, go to your you know, place of worship, go to any community center that's in your area, ask them what resources do they have out there um, for their children, get their children involved in activities, not only in the classroom but outside the classroom. Unfortunately, one of the things, you know, we face um, through education is a lot of cuts. So, you know, the arts um, and music, those are things that usually get cut first um, or even just, you know, simple as, you know, physical education that many of our students don't get. So, you know, if there is a local town sports team or, you know, a dance program, get them involved um, in other activities so that they're engaging socially as well. They're moving their bodies. You know, they're still young. They um, need that exercise to help with their mental development as much as anything else. So, you know, I would tell parents that the resources are out there. Um, So definitely, you know, look for them, Um, whether it's, you know, through asking a friend or a family member or, you know, researching online, you know, on the Internet about opportunities near you. 
Well, thank you very much for the information. Not a problem. <laughs> we thank you so much. I mean, I yeah, I could keep going on, but I know that you have to get back <laughs> to work, and we we thoroughly enjoyed you. We thoroughly thank you for all the information and what you provided. Marcy, would you tell people where they can reach your organization at? Sure. So you can go to www.njseeds.org. Uh, on there, you, there's an apply button. So if you're interested, there's also information about all three of our programs. Um, and you know, and for those that it takes us as an organization, um, fifteen thousand dollars to put one student through a, a year of our program. We provide our services for free to our families, but the only um, way we can do that is through donations, and we are a privately funded organization. So on that website, there also, you know, if you want to contribute and support or volunteer with New Jersey Seeds, there's opportunities as well to donate and volunteer. So I encourage, um, you know, other listeners that want to support an opportunity like this to please visit our website as well. Well, before you go, we want to let you know that if you would hang on for just uh, one minute, we want to share something with you. Listen Give is going to be creating, Marcy, superheroes within the next two weeks. And Listen Give superheroes are people like you. We've had only one other superhero, which is Daisha Jackson, who had the first uh, New Jersey uh, Fashion Week here in Jersey City. And those proceeds went back to students and Dress for Success, organizations like that. So we want to let you know, Marcy Lopez, that you are our second Listen Give superhero, and so is oh. the organization that you provide. And so we will be highlighting you and Deja Jackson over the next two weeks. Awesome! I love that. Thank you so much for that. Yes, we are. You know, and what you're providing, and you know what we're hearing. This is this is an amazing thing, and this is the concept we're coming up. And just to let our audience members know, over the next few weeks, we'll be asking you to provide your local community organizations or someone in your life that's a local community hero anywhere in the world. We thank you again, and uh, we're going to go on to our table topics right after this. Again, thank you so much, Marcy, for being on. And we just wanted to let you know, would you come on back with us in the future? Oh, I would love that. It was a pleasure having a conversation with the both of you. Um, thank you so much for allowing us to come on here to share, you know, what we do, how we do it, and it's all for um, you know, the children in their future. Yeah, we have thanks. that. We're, we're going to, oh, go ahead, Jay. I'm so sorry. No, no, no I just want to say thanks, Marcy, and um, make sure you wear that superhero cape because you are. Oh, I will. <laughs> I definitely will. <laughs> and we, we, we want to share one last thing to the Coca Colas, to the Unilevers out there, to the Best Buy, Microsoft, Foursquare, Dennis, I know you. Uh, um, you know, anyone that's out there, we ask you to come and donate to NewJerseySeeds.org. I have seen a lot of organizations, and I know that there are a lot out there, and we will cover those. But we ask that you give to this organization because the difference that they're making is amazing. And if we have informative people like her working here, they're only making more of a difference. And, Marcy, again, we thank you. Thank you. We'll speak thank soon. So thank okay, you. Bye. All right, Jay, that was rocking. There <laughs> was. That was a, I mean, yeah, it was great, you know. And, Jay, so, you know, we, well, we've already announced our superhero thing, so we'll formally announce that in a few seconds. But, you know, Jay, you know, I was, uh, there's another thing that came up about entrepreneurs, you know. 
And, you know, it's a, it's a thing where, you know, I was looking at the fact that as entrepreneurs ourselves, you and I have been entertaining going back to the traditional workplace. You know, many entrepreneurs are entertaining that because of the present economic conditions, you know. And I've always mm-hmm. been one, not the, not the economic conditions control the direction of my life. But, you know, you, we're all looking at different things. My reasoning for wanting to go back is I'm kind of, you know, you kind of want a new change. And now that I'm listening to these things, I think that as an entrepreneur, you have a little more flexibility, but you still have to run your company the way a corporation would. And one of those things that has been coming up is that, you know, it's increasingly hard for foreign-born entrepreneurs to get an uh, appropriate visa to stay in the U.S., right? So recently there's been some policy changes because of the fact we're losing some of our entrepreneurs. Maybe some, you know, we have entrepreneurs that um, are looking for startup visas here, so we're losing some of the entrepreneurs that have started some major companies or want to start major companies, and, we're, and it seems as though we need to do more to get, uh, to get citizens here in America to be more entrepreneurs because many of our entrepreneurs are going back to work. They have to take care of their families and, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to discuss this with you, Jay, is because you talked about the Microsoft uh, program that is providing math, you know, like what we just talked about before for the students and providing, you know, programs for computer science majors. We have a lot of tech startups. It's, you know, Marcy talked about entrepreneurs, you know, students are looking at entrepreneurship. It's so important that we get our students more involved in this. You know what I mean? So what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on this? You know, the fact that the US might run out of entrepreneurs. Well, you know, it's like it reminds me of like what you get out the pot you must replace. So if you know you know, you go to school here and somebody gave you a handout, then it's your job as a successful whatever you might be to give back to the kids and give them opportunities. And it's great that Microsoft and Apple and all these other companies are providing resources for some of their engineers and tech and businessmen to come back to the schools and teach. Because like you say, um, a lot of money is not able to get to the schools now. The schools are having problems keeping programs up. The teachers have classes that are over, overcrowded classes. Um, a lot of parents don't have computers to stay with the technology. The technology is supposed to help the parent because of these economical conditions, but they're not able. So I think it's great that you brought that up, Gil, because it's great that some of these companies have enough have enough uh, love for these schools, colleges, high schools, elementary schools, middle schools, to send some of their employees back to teach. And I think that's the most wonderful thing. That's what's good about our country. That's what's good about our country because we do think about the future because these children are our future. Uh, Jay, I was looking at a video from one. So we also want to acknowledge um, Robin Crespo of Mosquito Honor. We are working together with him at Listen Gifts, and he is out in Africa right now working with kids around malaria. He's been working in Rwanda and also Haiti and also Uganda. So we want to tell Robert Robin Crespo of ING Activewear who create mosquito armor so that kids will not be bitten by mosquitoes or other biting insects. Thank you for what you're doing. Those are heroes. So that is another listen give superhero. And Jay, 
thank you for being the co-host that you've been. You know, Listen and Give will be celebrating a year soon after the Parents' Kids music departure, okay? And, you know, what I want to say is that uh, Jay came up with this amazing idea for the Listen and Give superhero. You know, we are we're in partnership with Mariana Grant. We're in partnership with uh, Dan Orth. We're in partnership with uh, Leonard over at Black Ice Productions, uh, Finestro, uh, whose name is Phineas Robert, you know, Leora Adut at MakeupByLeora.com. We've had Anasuya Isaacs at LetLoveLead.com. But Robin Cresco is someone who really was brought to us by Violet Lee. And we want to just uh, tell Robin you're doing a great job. And, Robin, we've got some surprises for you. We know we've been a while, but it's coming and it's great. And, Jay, is there anything you want to say in, in closing of the show? Um, no, I think, well, yes, I do. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about um, some of the problems that the music labels are having with uh, um, with some of the web web companies, webcasting companies. I mean, I'll just talk about this real quick. Pandora is uh, forming a new alliance in efforts to cut down the rates that they're paying the companies. Now, there used to be five major record companies, Gail, but now there are three. I think there's Warner Brothers, um, um, uh, Universal, 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 and, and Sony. And so Tuesday, they're all going to get together to try to keep the rates the same because the co- companies are suffering, and the web the web companies that want to webcast the music, they want to take 85%. They want to cut the rate 85% and not pay the, rec- the record companies any money. So I'm thinking that's not fair because uh, the satellite co- they want to pay the same exact rate that the satellite companies are, and the satellite companies aren't paying enough. And if this happens, it's just going to tear down the rest of the music uh, the music infrastructure, the music uh, industry's infrastructure. So hopefully they can work this out, Pandora can work this out, and all of the other webcasting companies that are coming up can work this out and pay a fair rate. And I just wanted to say that. Hopefully they can work yes. out. And, Jay, you know, what we should share, too, is that um, just to let our audience know, we will be focusing on music next week. We've been doing a lot around youth and education. We will be uh, focusing on musicians, youth, arts, and culture, but more around the musicianship. This is what Listen and Give is created for, in addition to the youth leadership, but also arts and culture. So look forward to us to talk with you more about that. So, Jay, see you next week, and thank you for a wonderful show today. We're going to go out with Treasure. Thank you, Gail, too. Everyone, we're going out with Treasure by Patent Leather. Thank you.